Welcome to our Painesville Assembly of God podcast. Our desire is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If this message touches your heart, we'd love to hear about it. Email us at info at or visit PainesvilleAG.com. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to your faith. Uh, let's open in a word of prayer, and then we're going to get into the message this morning. Father, we thank you today. Thank you for your word. Thank you today, God, that we can come and gather in your presence. We pray now that you would open up our hearts to your word, and uh, God, you would just allow us to be able to receive what you desire to give us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, uh, let's get into our message this morning. Uh, almost 15 years ago now, um, I, I had gone up with my family. My wife is from Buffalo, New York, and uh, I was asked to officiate uh, a wedding for her cousin. And uh, so we went up for the weekend, and the rehearsal happened to be on Thursday uh, uh, during the, the day, Thursday evening. And then on Friday, Friday, we had the day off, and the wedding was on Saturday. And so having the day off, we decided to have a little bit of fun as a family. And uh, Jamie's dad loves to ride uh, motorcycles. He's into motorsports kind of things. And uh, he had a trials bike. Does anybody know what a trials bike is? It's kind of a dirt bike, but, but you can, you know, go up in different terrain and, and, uh, and it really has a lot of grip and a lot of torque and everything. And so he was in the backyard with his trials bike that he had picked up and worked on. And, uh, he had our son, he was younger at the time, about five, six years old. And he had our son on the trials bike and they're riding around the backyard and having a good time. And I'm on the back deck standing watching. He pulls up and he says, Hey, you want to give it a try? You can already see where this is going. And my wife said, you don't know how to ride. And I said, oh, it can't be that hard. I ride a bike. It should be okay. So I said, yeah, I'd like to try it. He goes, well, just take it real slow. Just take it around the backyard. He showed me a few things. And so I, I got on that baby and man, I just turned that, that, that handle where the gas is. And I, I think I turned it a little too far because that baby just popped up. Woo! I mean, we were like wheelie riding, all right? And then I'm like down, boom, you know, down. And, and dummy me in the panic doesn't, doesn't like take my hand off the gas. I'm still holding on to the gas. And this thing is picking up steam. And I am panicking. And so I did what any person who rides a bike does and wants to stop. You hit the brake, right? Wrong. I hit the front brake, that thing kicked up. I mean, it's a trials bike, so I mean, that thing like stopped on a dime, kicked up, threw me up into the air, and, and, and I'm not joking, I can still see it in my mind. You know when you do, when you're traumatizing things, you can like see it in slow motion. It's not in slow motion, you can see it. And I am head over heels in slow motion. I'm trying to do this tuck and roll thing, and I land on my shoulder, I thought I dislocated my shoulder, I ended up breaking my collarbone. So, it was painful. It was painful. So the next day I have to do the wedding and I'm doing the wedding in a sling, trying to hold on to my notes in this hand with a sling. Now, the thing about it is, you know, a wedding is supposed to be about the bride and groom, right? So I'm trying to do whatever I can to not, you know, draw attention to myself. I don't want to take away from the bride and groom. I don't want to take away from, from their day, but here's the problem. No matter how much I tried, everybody kept staring at the sling and everybody was asking me, so what happened? So what'd you do? Why? 
Because we have a tendency to notice broken things. We notice broken things. We notice when something is out of place. We notice when something is broken. We notice when someone is broken, when someone has something that is is going on. Brokenness is hard to miss. And if I was to ask you to describe what's the, the deepest dilemma of the human condition, if I ask you to describe that in one word, what would you say? I think words like sickness, maybe sin, Oppression, anxiety, distress, maybe depression, separation, loneliness. I mean, there's lots of different words that we could use to describe brokenness that we see around us in our society and in people. Timothy George said the word that he would choose is rift. And he said this, something split apart, a fault line in the human soul spilling over into human society. He says there's within a human spirit, within the human community, a cleavage, a distension, evidence of something hurt and broken beyond the capacity of self-repair. Beyond the capacity of self-repair, there is a brokenness. There's a a brokenness in our society. There's a brokenness in our world. There's a a brokenness within us as people. In the text we're going to look at today in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus, as he looked out at a crowd, he described them as sheep without a shepherd, lost, helpless, battered and bruised. Worn out, worn down, and exhausted. Earlier this week, I was uh, having breakfast with a friend and was reminded by that friend of how many people are hurting today, how much stress people are under today, how much discouragement there is in the world today, how much pain and brokenness there is in the world today. I mean, think about it. Our world has been divided, political divide, racial tension Uh, violence, war, rising costs that are stressing out some of the uh, economic parts of of people's lives and the fabric of our, our society. People are stressed out, tired, people are hurting, people are broken. Add to this the personal struggles. The diagnosis that people get, the health battles that that people face, loss. And we wonder sometimes, does God really care? Does God see the brokenness of this world and does he care? What, 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 what is he doing about it? What, sometimes we can ask ourselves, maybe God is just angry or disappointed with us. And that's why there's so much of this that is going on. So as we continue this series leading up in a couple of weeks, can you believe Easter is just two weeks away? That's crazy. Two weeks away. And it's April and we have snow. It's not even April 1st. That's not even funny right? But we've been looking at several passages that that highlight the very important part of a, a character trait of Jesus, a character trait of God, and that is his compassion towards us. Let's take a look at Matthew chapter 9. We're going to start in verse 35. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. We've been talking about through the eyes of Jesus. How does Jesus see things in passages? See if you pick it up here. Starting in verse 35, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep 
without a shepherd? What is the response of Jesus to souls that were in distress? What was the the response to lost sheep that had been scattered and, and torn? When he saw the crowd, scripture says he had compassion on them. Compassion on them. In fact, I think that compassion is the theme of the text. I know that often as we read through the text, he then goes and says, look out at the harvest. The, the, the fields are white unto harvest. And he said, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out workers for the, for the, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. But even with that uh, part of the text, the motivation that drives Jesus to encourage us to open our eyes and see the harvest is really really this character trait of his that is compassion his compassion is what motivates him his compassion is what moves Jesus to action something about his compassion in fact the old Puritan pastor John Owen put it this way that that this compassion is an endless bottomless boundless grace and compassion of Christ that's the theme of this text When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Compassion is one of the key marks of the life of Jesus in ministry. It motivated him to heal. It motivated him to deliver during his time of ministry. Compassion motivated him as we're going to to look at in in just a little bit as we we get through uh, Easter and and the week, uh, Passion Week and Good Friday. It's what motivated and moved Jesus to give his life on the cross was his love and his compassion. And I want to unpack this important character trait of Jesus. I want to unpack this area. And and I want you to see that, that Jesus cares about you. That Jesus cares about what you're facing. That Jesus cares about what you're going through. Jesus cares about your family. Jesus cares about your children that you are concerned about, that you worry about. Jesus cares about your parents, and if you're taking care of them, he, he cares about them. Jesus cares about broken people. He cares about the brokenness in our lives. I want to ask three questions today. Number one, what is compassion? What is compassion? If we look, the Greek word for compassion means uh, in the Synoptic Gospels, and I can't even say the name of it, splagnizomai. I don't know. I don't even think that was right. You know, as they say, it's all Greek to me, right? I know. That was a terrible dad joke, wasn't it? That was just a bad dad joke, right? But, but that Greek word in the Synoptic Gospels is, is used only of Christ himself and in two stories that Christ shared uh, about compassion. It's not simply pity. It's not only sympathy, although it might involve those. It's not just simply empathy. The word literally means it refers to visceral organs in the lower parts of your abdomen. We say, I love you with all of my heart. They would say, I love you with all of my bowels. Wow. Like you're feeling it on the inside, like low on the inside, like making your stomach churn. Like I love you with all of my guts. You might want to say, I mean, that's literally what it, what it means is, is this area of literally a gut-wrenching love. The bowels of compassion is what the King James Version uses in, in, in 1 John three seventeen. Read it. In the King James Version, it literally says bowels of compassion. Doesn't that just make you want to go out for brunch after this? 
But literally, Jesus has a gut-wrenching love for you, a gut-wrenching compassion for you. It also signifies co-passion. Compassion is co-passion. And the idea of that is, is, is this idea that I share in your pain, that my love for you, my compassion is a co-passion. I share in your pain. It's kind of like the, the, the little story that I, I read. A stranger had come upon some boys and girls. They were just crying their eyes out. They were just weeping. And he's like, why are you all crying? And the one little girl, uh, she said, she answered this way. We all got a pain in Billy's stomach. Billy had a, had a stomach ache and all the kids were crying because they were sharing in Billy's pain. That's the idea of compassion. That's the idea. Compassion is sharing in the pain that others are feeling. Compassion means to suffer with another person. It has a strong element to it. It's not just simply feeling bad for somebody, but willing, willing to enter into their pain. I mean, isn't that what Jesus did? Now, Noah Webster, he was the one who, who originally, we say Webster's Dictionary, right? Originally, when Noah Webster had, had wrote the first dictionary in 1828, he began his definition of compassion this way. He said, it's suffering with another, painful sympathy. And then he had an illustration, and this was before the Bible was like, you can't use the Bible for anything. Noah Webster used the Bible to help illustrate what he meant by that. And the story that he told was Luke 15, 20. You may know it as the story of the prodigal son. He illustrated his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. That's the illustration that Noah Webster first used alongside of his definition in 18, uh, I want to make sure I get it right, 1828 when he had the definition. It's significant because it's more than just a feeling. It's more than just an emotion. It's more than just simply feeling sorry for someone. It means that you're moved by the need. You are so moved by the need that you're moved into action to meet the need. And when Jesus saw these crowds, he had compassion on them. It moved him. It moved his heart and it moved him to action. You see, God is a God of compassion. Exodus chapter 34, when God, Moses says, Lord, I want to see your glory, right? I want to see your glory. And God hides him in the cleft of the rock. And as he passes by, this is the declaration, the personal name. What is your name? Yahweh. This is the very definition of the personal name, Yahweh. It says this, Exodus 34, 6 and 7. The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. It's how, it's how God describes himself. And God describes it, I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. So many times when we, when we have a picture of God, we, we think of God as this overbearing father who's looking for an opportunity to punish us. An opportunity, uh, perhaps if you, if you grew up going to, to, to Catholic school, that, that perhaps you have the picture of like the Catholic nun, you step out and you know, you get cracked with the, the ruler, right? I know you can't do that nowadays, right? You don't dare do that. But we have that picture of God, God being overbearing, God wanting to just find a way to, to give us a crack every time we get out of line. 
but that is not the heart of God. Yes, God is holy, but the very heart of God that drives him is his compassion, his unfailing love and mercy. I lavish it upon a thousand generations. And, and we see it throughout scripture. One of the areas that I saw it as I was thinking about it, how many remember the story of Jonah? You know, the guy that got swallowed by a big fish, the guy that God had called, he was an Israelite prophet, and God called him to go and prophesy to Nineveh and to warn them that judgment was going to come, uh, that judgment was coming uh, against Nineveh. And Jonah didn't want to go. I mean, he, he did not like the Ninevites, all right? They were, they were a bad people, these people of, of Assyria. They, they, were, they were ruthless people. They were violent people. And, uh, and they needed to get this judgment that was coming to them. He wasn't going to go. And so he kind of tried to go the other way, swallowed by a great fish, right? And then he gets out. And then he has one of the greatest, like he preaches like this very simple sermon. Repent. I mean, it's like really simple. It's like a couple of words. Repent. God's judgment is coming. Repent. He's like announcing it through the, through the streets. And the crazy thing is, like the city of Nineveh, like this big, huge city, they repent, they put on sackcloth and ashes and they fast and they don't eat and they put on burlap, even on their own animals and they, re and they repent. And God relents from pulling, from, from judging them. Okay, you found that on the web, great. My watch is talking to me. But this wicked and, and they, they repent. I mean, you would think that, that man, this is revival. Jonah would be excited, right? But in, in Jonah chapter 4, Jonah's not excited. And this is why. This is why he didn't want to go in the first place. This is what Jonah knows about God. Verse 2. So he complained. This is Jonah. He complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That's why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God. Slow to angry, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. You're eager to, eager to turn back from destroying people. I think God has a bad reputation. I think sometimes God has a bad reputation. I think that, that, that sometimes God has a reputation that, that he is just out to, to judge and pass judgment. And, and, and that's not the heart of God at all. Jonah himself did not want to go to Nineveh because he knew the very heart of God. And that is at the first opportunity, the first sign of repentance, the first sign of any, any remorse, any turning to God, that, that God's compassionate heart, he would relent because God does not want any to perish. His heart is a heart of compassion. It's a heart of compassion. That, that's the whole idea. That's why the, the older brother in the story of the, the prodigal son, or we might say the story of the two sons, was so upset because his brother went and wasted everything on wild living. And the moment he starts to come back, his father is waiting for him, runs to him, hugs him, puts a, the, the coat, kills the fatted calf, puts the ring of a son back on his finger. Ah, wait a minute. He's got to pay for his sins. How dare you just take him back? And yet that is the reckless love of the father. That's the compassion 
of God. That is the very definition, the very way and reason that Jesus came was to demonstrate the mercy and compassion of God to, to rescue the broken, the bound and the, and the hurting and the helpless. See, Jesus, Jesus came and he was, he was eating with tax collectors and sinners. We looked at this a couple of weeks ago and we looked at Levi and he went back to Levi's house and they said, why does your teacher eat with these tax collectors and sinners? And he says, it's not the healthy that need the doctor, but the sick, right? There are times we struggle with the compassion of God, don't we? There are times we, we struggle with that. There are times when we are suffering that it feels as if God has abandoned us. There are times when we're, we, we wrestle and we say, God, where are you? I don't understand you. You're a God of compassion, yet I'm struggling. Yet, yet Lord, what, what's happening? Psalm 77, 7 and 9, the psalmist struggled with this. He cried out, has the Lord rejected me forever? Will he never be kind to me again? If your unfailing love, uh, is in his unfailing love gone forever? Is his unfailing love gone forever? Have his promises permanently failed? Has God forgotten to be gracious? He slammed the, has he slammed the door on his compassion? There are times we might feel that way. You, you know, you're hearing me talk about the compassion of God. You may question the compassion of God. In fact, the King James Version in verse 8 says, Is his mercy clean gone forever? You ever felt like that in the wee morning hours? The late night hours when you're struggling, when you're suffering, when your situation isn't getting better? Have you ever said, God, where is your compassion? You, you say you're a God of compassion and unfailing mercy. God, where is, where is your compassion? In response to these questions, there's a final statement that we find. And I think that, that really kind of gets us to understand this area of compassion when justice seems denied and evil seems overwhelming. We see a move of God in compassion through John 1.14 and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So I want to ask a second question. Not only what is compassion, but how did, how did Jesus enter into our suffering? How does Jesus enter into our suffering? How did Jesus enter into our suffering? And it's true that compassion means sharing the suffering of another. So how did Jesus do that? Well, it says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, we can, we can take a look at this. And I think what's interesting is, is it doesn't say that God became a text, nor an idea, nor an ideology. It's not enough simply to say that, that, that Jesus became a human being. The word became flesh and dwelt among us is so much more than just that Jesus became a human being. It's not deep enough. The word took on flesh. Part of the, the human reality of flesh is that flesh and blood is what? It's vulnerable. Flesh and blood has need. Flesh and blood needs cared for. Flesh and blood experiences what we experience in this world. It experiences pain. It experiences tiredness. It experiences uh, times of distress. It experiences times where, we, where we, we experience deep sorrow. Putting on flesh and dwelling among us is not just simply Jesus becoming a human being. It's Jesus entering in and placing himself into the very vulnerabilities that you and I experience. And entering in in that way, susceptible to suffering and sorrow. Isaiah 53, 3 that, that, that talks about prophetically about Jesus says he was despised and rejected by men. 
a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief as one whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. That's a description of Jesus. The man of sorrows, the man who experienced pain, the man who experienced rejection and betrayal. That's the depth in which he came, the depth for our brokenness that he entered in. Hebrews 4.15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect was tempted as we are, yet was without sin. Jesus experienced what we experience. That idea of the word became flesh and dwelled among us is that Jesus entered into our suffering because he was moved with compassion. He climbed down in, he crawled down deep, and he experienced what we did. It's kind of like what the Irish, the great Irish poet William uh, Butler Yeats expressed in this one line of the gospel. This one expression that he has is kind of like the gospel all wrapped into one line. I love it. He says this, love has pitched his mansion in the place of excrement, for nothing could be soul or whole that has not been rent. I'm just full of like gross things today. Right? Matthew, Mark, Luke give us three clear glimpses of his compassion for one of these priceless windows into his full humanity. As, as Calvin once said, Christ put on our feelings as well as our flesh. In the warmth of his compassion, we see the fully human emotional life of our Savior. One of us, not just in body, but also in mind and heart. Jesus did not just perform compassionate acts. He felt compassion. He felt compassion. He felt it. He came to suffer with us. Christ, divine compassion, come in the flesh. John Piper once wrote this, Jesus ate with tax collectors and sinners because he was an incarnate display of the Father's tender compassion for sinners. The very incarnation of Jesus, that very act of putting on flesh was an act of compassion because Jesus was moved by his deep love for us and the brokenness that we experience because of sin. He enters into our world, our suffering and our brokenness. Third question, what were the tangible ways that Jesus demonstrated compassion? Throughout the gospels, we see very tangible ways in which Jesus had compassion and demonstrated compassion towards those that were lost. Matthew 9, 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Again, Jesus has compassion for the crowds. Jesus sees crowds of people and he has compassion for crowds. There are crowds of people today There are groups of people, people groups today that we would look at and we would say they're broken and they're hurting. Perhaps we take a look at what's happening overseas and we we have compassion for the Ukrainian people, many of whom are now refugees, many who are still in country, who are being bombarded and who are experiencing the pain of war. Jesus, why do you feel about what's happening in the Ukraine? Jesus has compassion for the crowds. Beyond that, there are crowds of people. There are crowds of people that, that, are, that are bound in addiction, that can't seem to, to find themselves to freedom, that continue to find themselves broken and hurting, and yet Jesus has compassion on the crowds. 
People suffering with sickness and disease. And, and, and we look at these people groups. Jesus has compassion on the crowds. In fact, not the only place, but Matthew 14, 14, there was a, a great crowd that came and Jesus had compassion that led him to healing. It says this in, in Matthew 14, 14, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and had compassion on them and healed their sick. Jesus also had compassion on a, a hungry crowd and it prompted him to feed 4,000 people. Matthew 15, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd because they've been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I am unwilling to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. And Jesus served not only the 4,000, but the 5,000. Why? Because Jesus cares about the need of hunger because he has compassion. He has compassion. He fed them. He demonstrated compassion, not only to crowds, but he demonstrated compassion one-on-one -on -one with people in their needs. In fact, one of the greatest pictures of a one-on-one -on -one encounter was a, a, a lady that's described as a widow. And not only was she a widow that she had lost her son, but when Jesus comes upon her, there is a funeral procession that is happening because now she has lost her son, her only son. Luke chapter seven details it out in verse 13. <clears throat> when the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it. And the bearer stopped, young man, he said. I tell you, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Jesus' heart overflowed in the midst of a woman's grief. And when you are grieving, when you experience loss, the pain of loss, I want you to know that Jesus is not, un, he, he's not without compassion, but he has compassion and is willing to enter in and, 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 and show you his love. She knew that she would be alone and helpless, but Jesus comes and takes notice and touches and raises her son back to life, and Jesus can meet your need. Mark 9, Jesus demonstrated compassion not only to a mother, but also to a father, a father whose son had been demon-possessed. The demons would often throw him into the fire. They would often throw him in, and, and this father was desperate. He had asked Jesus' disciples if they could cast it out, but, but they were unsuccessful. They were unable to do that, and so he, he comes to Jesus, and, 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 and it says this, that he says he often cast into the fire into the water destroy him but the man says this Jesus if you can do anything have compassion on us and help us have compassion on us and help us and what does what does Jesus do have you ever prayed a desperate prayer have you ever been so desperate this is a father who is who is desperate what what do you do when you're desperate and you're throwing out a desperate prayer this father was was desperate and said if you can have compassion if you can do anything can you help us and Jesus responds with some encouragement to his faith in fact the man says I believe but help my unbelief have you ever been there before See, he is faithless when, he is faithful when we are faithless. Let me get that right. He's faithful when we are faithless. 
And this father said, I do believe. There's a, I, I know I believe, but there's a part of me that's been struggling with this for so long that, that having, having hope, is having faith is hard for me right now. You ever been there before? What does Jesus do with that? Jesus touched and delivered his son. Why? Because he had compassion on him. Compassion on him. Compassion on a a mother who had lost her son. Compassion on a father who was tired of seeing his son hurt and thrown into a fire because he was bound by the demons that wouldn't let him go. Jesus had compassion. He had compassion uh, and, and, and pity uh, on two blind men that he encountered. Matthew 20, 34, Jesus in pity touched their eyes and immediately their sight had been recovered to a, to a desperate leper. It says, move with pity or move with compassion. He stretched out his hand and he touched them. Mark 141, he touched the leper. He touched the blind. He touched that was what was unclean. He didn't just speak it. He touched it. He entered in. He was willing himself to touch the very heart, not just the physical, but the emotional and the spiritual. Why? Because Jesus has compassion and enters into our suffering. He enters into our suffering. Jesus told a parable about a master who out of pity released and forgave a servant from his debt. You see, that's compassion to release the debt. And that's what Jesus did for us, releasing the debt. Compassion is the very calling card of Jesus, whether it's the Good Samaritan entering into mess and pain, beat up and of a, a man who was beat up and broken by the side of the road that, that, that wasn't even a part of, of his own race, but yet he took a look and he was willing to enter in, willing to come alongside and help, willing to give of himself and give of his finances to serve. Jesus runs to meet the need of the suffering and the broken. And so today, Perhaps you feel overwhelmed. Perhaps you are hurting. Perhaps you're broken. Perhaps you're grieving. Perhaps you're feeling isolated and alone. I want you to know that Jesus loves you and that he has compassion for you. That he wants to enter in to your suffering and your need. In fact, he did. He did and he does. And he wants to heal your brokenness today. He wants to love you today. Worship team, will you come? See, Jesus sees your need. Like the grieving widow who had lost her only son. Jesus sees your need today and he sees your grief today. And he loves you. Like the leper who was feeling isolated and alone. Jesus wants to reach in and wants to touch that need of yours, that loneliness of yours. He wants to touch that place in your heart and show you compassion like a father who's desperate to see his son rescued and set free from the demons that have held him bound. So maybe you have, have someone that you love that is bound and, and you see them constantly being harmed and hurt and your heart goes out. You're not alone. For Jesus sees the demons that plague those that you love. And he has compassion and wants to enter in to the brokenness and set, set those folks who are broken free, healing them. Those that have been ravaged by addiction and mental health, 
He's not deterred by your doubts, friends. He hears your desperate prayer. And he has compassion for your desperate pleas. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. He cares for you. And so today, before we just reflect in communion in just a few moments, I want to pause for a moment. And I just want to ask us to bow our heads. If you're at home, will you pray with us as well? And I want to, I want to ask first. Today, maybe you've never, you've never surrendered your life to Christ because you've just been worried that, that maybe he wouldn't accept you, that you're too broken, that you're too lost, that there's too much sin. But today I want you to know that you're never too far away from God, that Jesus loves you and he died for you and he wants to touch you. He wants you to experience his forgiveness and his grace. And if you want to receive Christ into your life, will you just slip up your hand today? I need Jesus in my life. I need his salvation in my life today. If you're online and you need his salvation, will you just put that in the comments? I need, I need salvation today. I need his forgiveness in my life today. I want to give my life to Jesus. You can also email us, info at painsvilleag.com. Jesus, I just thank you right now. Lord, for those that, that need to give their lives to you to surrender, you were moved with compassion to give your life on the cross. And you've come, Lord, not to not that we would that we would experience the punishment of our sin, but rather that we would experience the grace and mercy of your substitute and sacrifice. So Jesus, today we we confess that we are sinners. And we ask you to forgive us today. We ask you, Lord, to come into our life. Forgive us of our sin and heal our brokenness today. Enter in, Jesus, into our lives. We love you, Jesus. We believe in you. If there's any doubt, we ask you to help the unbelief. We just come and we turn to you. We ask you, Lord, for your mercy and compassion in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Secondly, this morning, if you're here and you've had, you're just walking through some brokenness, you're walking through some difficulty today, whatever it is. And today you just need the compassion and the mercy of the Lord today. And you'd say, Pastor, I just need you to pray for me. I'm just going through something. Maybe it's a physical thing you're going through. Maybe you're going through some stress at work. Maybe you're going through some stress in a relationship. You're just experiencing some brokenness today. Or maybe there's somebody that you've been praying for, like that father. Maybe you've been grieving, like that, that, that widow. Maybe you've just felt isolated and alone, like the leper. Maybe you've got a great need, like the two blind men that were calling out to Jesus. And you just need prayer today for something. Will you slip up your hand? I want to pray for you today. Yeah, Lord, you see the hands. You know those that are watching online and the needs that they have today. Father, I just pray that you would just demonstrate your unfailing love, your faithfulness, oh God. Lord, thank you that you are compassionate. Thank you that you are merciful. Thank you that the eyes that you see are not through the eyes of, of judgment and condemnation, but Father, they're through the eyes uh, of, of a loving 
heavenly Father, a loving God who wants to enter in and heal the brokenness and touch those that are with need. God, we thank you today and I pray that you would move in these needs today because you are a compassionate God. Lord, let us realize and experience how you enter in and you walk with us. God, bring deliverance, bring healing, I pray. Bring healing and deliverance, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you're encouraged by this message. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, visit PainesvilleAG.com.